I'm one of those, those really lucky kids that got to grow up going to a lake house. My mom's side of the family, they own a lake house together as siblings, her and her three siblings. And, you know, as a kid, you think everybody gets to go to a lake house when they grow up. And looking back, I realized just how blessed I was to have a place where I could go. And, of course, that led to a ton of fun memories and a ton of fun weekends with all my cousins, right? But also with all of my aunts and uncles. And I was thinking this week about a game that my uncle taught all of us cousins to play. And when I tell you about this game, you're not going to be surprised that most of the moms and our grandmother really didn't like this game at all, right? But my uncle thought it was a blast, and we all thought it was a blast. So sometimes at the lake, like it was really more of a river than a lake, but every once in a while we would have a storm come through where you could, you could see the wall of rain coming down the water closer to you. Have you ever had that experience where you're on the water and you can just see, you can see the rain coming, you can see the bottom dropping out, coming closer and closer and closer. And the game was this. He'd huddle us all up, right, right on the edge of the pier and we'd be leaning over watching the storm come in, right? And the game was you wanted to time it perfectly. You wanted to sprint up to the house as quick as you could. And the goal was to step foot into the house right when the first drop of rain hit the deck. So as you can imagine, right, what what ended up happening most of the time? Completely soaked. Completely soaked. But we thought it was a blast. I mean, most of the time we didn't really even start running up until the rain was already already on the pier. But I just have like the fondest memory of that. All of us laughing and my uncle pushing one of us in the water and then we'd all run up and argue about who won, like who got to the house first or when the rain actually hit. I don't know. It was it was a lot of fun. And it, it made me think that storms, storms can be a lot of fun when we see them coming. That's kind of how I feel about about watching a storm roll in. Like there's just something magical to me about watching a powerful storm roll in and get closer and closer. Our backyard is a big hill and we have a swing that sits right on top of the hill. And one of my favorite things to do is to sit on that swing and watch a storm roll in on the mountain. There's just something powerful and and beautiful about it. I, I really enjoy storms when I'm expecting them. I don't enjoy storms as much when I'm not expecting them. The disciples in our scripture for this morning find themselves in a storm that they don't expect. We're still in our sermon series where we're looking at the seven signs and miracles in the gospel of John. We're on our fifth sign this morning. So just a reminder, these signs and miracles, it's how John structures his gospel And they're meant to serve as a handrail that go all the way through his telling of Jesus' life and ministry. With the hope that when we see these signs, when we see the wonders and the miracles that Jesus does while he's walking on the earth, that it will help us better understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do. The, The whole purpose of the Gospel of John is to try and reveal to us as a people, as readers, who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. So that's our goal in looking at these signs, and this morning is no different. I want to read our scripture for you this morning. You're going to be able to follow along on the screen. We're in John chapter 6, verses 15 to 21. Here now a reading from the Gospel of John. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came... 
his disciples went down to the sea. They got into the boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not come yet to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So if you were here last week or if you've been following along, you know that last week we talked about the feeding of the 5,000, right? So this scripture, it picks up right on the next verse from where we left off last week. So Jesus has just fed the multitude up on the mountain. When the scripture says on, when, when evening came, it is the same day as the feeding of the 5,000. So these two signs in the gospel of John happen back to back. So when evening came on that day, the disciples walk down to the sea, they get in a boat, and they start to cross the Sea of Galilee. Jesus walks on water. This same story appears in Matthew, Mark, and in the Gospel of John. And in all three instances, in all three places, in all three of those Gospels, it's told right in the exact same place, right after the same day as the feeding of the 5,000. Every time the disciples come down the mountain, they get in a boat and they begin to cross the Sea of Galilee. And every time when the disciples get onto the boat, Jesus is up on the mountain praying, just taking a moment alone after feeding the multitude. In Matthew and Mark, uh, Jesus tells the disciples to get into the boat and go without him. And in John, we don't really we don't really get that detail. But regardless of the little details that separate these tellings, in every single version, right, every single gospel that this story is seen in, the disciples find themselves in a storm all alone. And not just a storm, right? I mean, it seems like a pretty bad storm. I mean, remember, some of these disciples were fishermen, so they spent their lives on the sea. So the fact that a fisherman is on a boat and is afraid of a storm should tell you this is probably a, a pretty bad storm. So we get this picture of the disciples struggling against the waves and, and pushing against the wind, trying to make it to the other side. Now, if you know anything about the Sea of Galilee and the, and the geography of where the sea is located, you know that it is known for having storms blow up out of nowhere. It's one of those places, because it's located in a valley, that one second the skies can be clear, and the next second you can look up and see a full-on storm blowing right on top of you. The Sea of Galilee is about eight miles wide. So the disciples row three to four miles across, I'm assuming clear skies for most of that journey, and they hit the halfway point, and they look up, and they realize that they're about to be in the middle of a storm. Like most of the other signs in the Gospel of John, there's a lot of different directions that I could have gone with this this morning. I feel like I've said that a lot this series while we've been looking at these stories, but it's, it's just because these signs are so rich with meaning, 
They, so much going on, so, so many little cues that could pull us in so many different directions. Like, for instance, we could talk about how this sign shows us Jesus's power over creation, because this is really the first time that we've seen Jesus exert this kind of power in the Gospel of John. A power over the wind and the weather and the natural elements of the earth, right? We see Jesus walk on water. He conquers that. And then not only that, he controls the weather, doesn't he? We could talk about, we could talk about that. We could talk about the parallel that John is trying to get us to see with the Exodus, right? The Israelites cross through the Red Sea because God parts the waters. And the disciples are able to cross the Sea of Galilee because Jesus calms the storm. And all that's really good stuff. And I think I could have preached a really meaningful sermon on either one of those aspects of this story. But, but for some reason this week, I just found myself drawn to the disciples' experience of the storm and how that could maybe inform our own experience of the storms of life. I'm sure this won't surprise you, but something I like to do is listen to other people preach. I have a rotation of like six to eight preachers that I try to listen to somewhat on a weekly basis. Some that I agree with and some that I I know I won't agree with most of what they say. And I listen to, to these preachers for all sorts of reasons, right? I listen so that I'll be challenged and convicted by the Holy Spirit. I listen to try to take care of my own, my own spiritual health. I listen to get ideas and inspiration from other voices that are oftentimes wrestling with the same text that I wrestle with during the week. But I also listen to hear takes and to hear opinions on scripture that I know I disagree with. And this may sound weird, but I've kind of found if I hear somebody say something about a text that I don't agree with, it helps me articulate what I want to say about the text. I wonder if you've had a similar feeling. This week I was listening to a preacher talk about the storms of life. And this is what he said. When we as Christians are faithful, Jesus will steer us away from the storms of life. That's what he said. When we as Christians are faithful, Jesus will steer us away from the storms of life. And I don't think he's right. I don't think he's right. I I don't. When, when we are faithful, Jesus will steer us away from the storms of life. I, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think that's it. I don't, think, I don't think he's right. I think part of our reality, right, part of our human condition is that storms will come. This was part of the disciples' reality, wasn't it? They struggled on the sea, rowing and fighting the waves before Jesus showed up, before they saw them. I don't think Jesus steers us away from our storms if we're faithful enough, because I know, and I know you do too, I know faithful, loving, generous, good people who have done almost everything right, and yet they have faced storms in life. They face cancer or mental illness, or they got laid off at the beginning of the pandemic, or they've experienced loss in their family, or they've felt lonely at periods of their life. It's a laundry list, right? I don't need to go on. I I think you get it, right? Storms are a part of our existence as humans. We can do everything right in life, and yet we will still find ourselves during certain seasons facing a storm, 
We can manage our money well. We can eat right and exercise. We can take care of our mental health. We can love our family and pour into them. We can pray and read scripture and follow God's will for our life. And we will still face storms. Now, I know that sometimes the storms that we face are partially our fault. And sometimes we find ourselves in storms that we have no control over. I know there are sometimes things that we can do in the midst of a storm that will begin to calm it, right? And sometimes there's really nothing that we can do. It's almost we find ourselves in a place where we just have to throw our hands up. I know sometimes we find ourselves in big storms, and sometimes we find ourselves in smaller storms. But I've just been struck this week by the fact that this story of the disciples, the people that were closest to Jesus when he was walking this earth, that this story of them getting in a boat and ending up stuck in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in a storm, I think it forces us to face the reality that we too will face storms in life. Which leads us with a question. It left me with a question this week. How do we reconcile that reality? How do we reconcile that reality that we as a people of faith will face storms in our life? with our faith in Jesus Christ? How do we hold those two things at the same time? How do we hold that tension that we will face storms and yet we are a people who follows Christ? I got to this point in my sermon prep this week and realized what a big can of worms I had opened up, if I'm being totally honest with you. Because that's a question that theologians and pastors and scholars and people have been arguing about for thousands of years. And after a week of struggling with it, I'll tell you that I don't fully understand the answer. I really don't think anybody fully understands the answer. But I do think this story, I think this story of the disciples getting stuck in a storm, I think this sign that we find in the Gospel of John, I think it can really help us reconcile those two things. I think it can set us on the right path. So there's a couple of things that I want us to notice about the story. The disciples, they find themselves in the middle of the sea when the storm strikes. And I think that is a great illustration for how we often feel when we find ourselves in a storm. It's a great illustration for how I often feel when I find myself in a storm. I feel isolated I feel alone. I feel like I don't have any control. I feel, I feel helpless. I oftentimes lose track of where I am. I lose a sense of direction. I feel like I've, I've lost some visibility or, or, some, or some awareness, right? I feel like I just lose, I lose all bearings on life oftentimes when I find myself in a storm. And meanwhile, Jesus is where? He's up on the mountain praying. And when I find myself in a storm so often, that's how I'll catch myself feeling that I'm down in the water just trying to stay afloat and and row against the wind and the waves, and God is somewhere far away, up on a mountaintop, just barely within earshot. And I love, I love this part of the story. I love that Jesus doesn't calm the storm from the mountain. Do you see that? Jesus doesn't calm the storm from the mountain. And you, you know he could have, right? You know that he could have stayed on the mountain and waved his hand or spoken some words or thought something about that storm and made it dissipate. But instead, what does he do? 
He gets up and he walks down the mountain and he walks towards the storm. He walks towards the disciples who find themselves stuck in the storm. I don't think, I think we shouldn't miss that. I think we shouldn't miss that Jesus comes down from the mountaintop to be in the storm with the disciples. He walks into the chaos, into the uncertainty, into into the messiness of the storm so that he is in it with them. I think that is so powerful. And then when he gets there, the first thing out of his mouth is do not fear. Don't fear. Because I'm here and I'm with you and I'm, I'm beside you. Don't fear. Don't, don't fear the storm. Don't fear my presence. Don't fear the wind. Don't fear the waves because I'm here in it with you. You see, Jesus, Jesus doesn't steer us away from storms. He goes into them with us. He says, I'm bigger than any storm that you could ever face. I am more powerful than any storm that could ever surround you. Hear that this morning and believe it. I needed to hear that this week. Whatever storms you're facing in life, big or small, your fault or not, Jesus is in the storm with you. And because of that, because he is in the storm with us, friends, we don't, we don't have to fear. Instead, all we have to do is invite him into the boat with us. That's what the disciples do, isn't it? They look up and they see Jesus standing on the water right next to them and, and they invite Jesus into the boat with them. And then the scripture gets really cryptic at the end, doesn't it? Because Because when they do, it doesn't exactly say that he even gets in the boat with them. It just says that they wanted to invite him into the boat. And then they make it to the other side of the lake much quicker than they ever expected. In fact, I think it even says that they were there immediately. As soon as they extended the invitation for Jesus to come into the boat with them. So how do we reconcile our faith with the storms in life that we often face? I think we have to start by realizing that Jesus doesn't steer us away from storms. Instead, he goes into the storm with us. No matter the storm, Christ is always with us, right beside us, walking on the water. And because of that, we have no, no reason to fear. Instead, we should seek to be a people that are inviting Christ into the boat with us, expecting to make it to the other side much quicker than we ever thought was possible. I guess you can tell that what that pastor said really kind of got under my skin. I I got about halfway through this sermon and I realized that his comment was really the launching pad for how I looked at this scripture. And I tried to do a little bit of self-reflection and figure out why exactly that was. Why, why did I find myself latching on to that comment so much and then feeling the desire to preach a sermon that says the exact opposite? And, and I think this is why. When I look around, when I look around at my family, when I look around at my community, when I look around at this church, when I look around our world, when I, when I look in the mirror, 
I see a whole bunch of imperfect, faithful people just doing the best that they can. That's what I see most of the time. A bunch of imperfect, faithful people that are just trying to do the best that they can at this thing that we call life. But because of statements like that, that that pastor said, when they face storms in life, they often think it's because God doesn't love them or because they aren't good enough or because they don't deserve a better life or because God is distant from them and for some reason it's all their fault or because they've done something in life to deserve the bad things that are happening to them in this moment. Things that are oftentimes completely out of their control. And I just don't think that's right. I just, I just don't think that's who God is. What I do think is right is this. That we serve, we worship, we are in relationship with a God of mercy, a God of love, a God of hope, a God who is with us. And because of that, we can trust that no matter the storms that we face, no matter how big or how small, no matter the uncertainty, no matter the pain, no matter the wind or the waves, we can trust that Christ is with us, walking on water right beside us, ready to get in the boat and join us. The truth, the truth is that Jesus has already weathered the biggest storm for us. You see that, don't you? I had a moment of clarity with this scripture this week because I realized that it's an illustration of the gospel. That whole story, Jesus up on the mountain, the disciples stuck on a boat in the storm, The God who walks on water beside us is a God who defeated death, a God who rose from the tomb, a God who made himself human to prove to us that no matter the storms we face, he is right beside us, living it with us. That's why we call him Emmanuel, God with us, even in the storm. All we have to do is invite him in the boat with us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning in to our message this week in the gathering. I hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. Of course, you're welcome to join us any week at 10 a.m. on Sundays, either here in this space or on our live stream for worship. And of course, you can check us out on our website at www.bluffparkumc.org to find out more about who we are as a church, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of that. Feel free to reach out and contact us with any questions or concerns you may have. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time.